How's it going, Nashville? This is the Nashville Fitness Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Chris Beavers, where we will unpack all things health and wellness. We will clear up common myths, highlight amazing fitness opportunities, and bring you guys the best information about health here in the great city of Nashville. Uh, welcome to the latest episode of the Nashville Fitness Podcast. Today we're hanging out with Zach Henderson, uh, kettlebell aficionado, and uh, all kinds of great info, as well as uh, he's got the background in powerlifting and uh, looking forward to a conversation today on all those good things. So Zach, thanks for joining us, man. Dr. Beavers, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, man, absolutely. Dude, Zach, so I always like to start with someone's background. How the heck did you get interested in, um, in fitness and, and be, being a personal trainer, and then how did you end up here in Nashville? Yeah, well, it's, uh, it's a funny story as stories usually are right. kind of a long story but uh the long and the short of it is you know when i was a young man kind of right out of college uh this was during the recession time of like 2008 uh through like 2012 and i really didn't have anything better to do <laughs> than to work out yeah and i really didn't have much of an athletic background so i didn't i didn't really you know, grow up lifting weights or anything like that. But uh, slowly but surely, I got into like the CrossFit stuff and and the paleo and natural movement yeah. uh, stuff. And I really just uh, I really just fell head over heels in love with the whole concept and idea of of training. Mm-hmm. So. Um, it's kind of interesting because most folks like right they, they grew up training they grew yeah. up as far as working out and things like that it's interesting that you kind of got it a little bit later but then you just obviously went right forward afterwards yeah you know I think fitness comes into people's lives at the right time absolutely sometimes that's when you're nine years old yeah, yeah. for a, a lot of the people that I work with sometimes that's when you're well over 40 years old right but when the time is right, as they say, the teacher appears. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So I uh, got interested in it, and then kind of walk us through how you know how you ended up starting to train clients and those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was very, very lucky in the sense that one of the first websites that I really got into uh, when I you know, go down these Google rabbit holes of fitness uh, was DragonDoor.com, and DragonDoor at the time uh, had a very active forum Mm -hmm. and and a very active blog and it was mostly centered around kettlebell training and functional fitness so that was you know one of the things i really did a deep dive on was the whole kettlebell side of things yeah Uh, why were you drawn towards that over other things was that just big on the forum you think or or were you just drawn to it naturally you know I'll say it was it was probably pretty good marketing and, yeah, and yeah, pretty sure. good pretty good messaging. It was a message that spoke to me. Um, one of the one of the concepts that really came through that really hit me was with smart training and dedication and consistency, you can do anything. Absolutely. And that sounds cliche. That sounds you know a little airy fairy, but this this whole methodology of training that was it felt pretty new at the time that with you know you can be mobile you can be strong you can be athletic you can be muscular you can have all these things you can mold your body into whatever you want yeah as long as you use the right approach right it's true right you have the right background you got somebody coaching you along the way or you're doing your own research as far as nutrition 
and uh, working out and, and periodization and all the things uh, along the way. So that's cool, man. So yeah. obviously you did your own deep dive. You started getting interested in this stuff, and I think yeah. that's where uh, your passion starts coming in, where, where people's true understanding of, of all this stuff, right? I mean, that's the same thing for me, right? If I do a deep dive on something, I'm more interested in knee pain for the day, and I do a deep dive, and suddenly you're invested in it. You learn quite a bit. So did your own deep dive and then kind of walk me through. I know you've worked with some, some pretty interesting folks along the way to uh, you know, Gray Cook's uh, bunch and the like. So tell me tell me about some of that. Yes, yes. Well, the funny story there was, again, along with Dragondoor.com um, and the Russian kettlebell certification, uh, they had a instructor directory on their mm-hmm. website where obviously you could look up instructors to hire. So. I grew up basically in the middle of nowhere. Chatham, Virginia, Southwest Virginia. Never heard of it. <laughs> of course you haven't. <laughs> um, so I got on the Dragon Door directory on a whim cool. and and you know put in with the parameters a 75 mile radius yeah. instructors near me. And yep. one name came up and that was Dr. Gray Cook. It's crazy. And I had no idea who yeah. he was. So I was like, oh, <laughs> this, the man. this is a guy who can teach me kettlebells. So I shot him an email and I said, hey, can you train me? And looking back, this is amazing. He emailed me back and he said, no, but I know someone who can. Yeah. Uh, So he set me up with one of his uh, interns or one of his employees um, in his uh, home office, which again, just so happened to be in my hometown. It's crazy. Him and I went to the same high school. (laughs) That's wild. Uh, So I showed up and I started working with uh, Brad, a guy named Brad Hartman, who's amazing, uh, strong uh, guy, and he basically encouraged me to go for the one-day certification and then eventually the, the RKC, the big three-day certification mm-hmm. that you know requires some serious training. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, Greg, Greg Cook's the man. I mean, F- FMS, all this yes, other yes. other stuff that has kind of been just foundational to fitness and even in my in PT world, I mean, yeah. FMS, SFM, SFMA, some of this other stuff that's that's important for how we diagnose and, and really look at someone's movement. So it's incredible that it just so happens one of his protégés is in, in your neck of the woods and was able to learn really straight from the, the horse's mouth in that regard. So tell me about yeah. the kettlebell cert and, and what some of the things you learned or some of the things that you were like, man, I didn't know about this before. And, and Because there's a lot more that goes into it than just picking a kettlebell up and swinging it and throwing it up over your head. Yeah. That's how people end up with bruised wrists and everything else, yeah. right? <laughs> well, you know, it, it's funny. And again, going back to the, the work of Great Cook, I'm very lucky in the sense that my foundations uh, my foundational experience in training was so influenced by the FMS and and the whole the whole functional fitness movement that mm-hmm. Greg Cook really helped to to spearhead so when i came at lifting weights i came at it almost from equal parts a physical therapist eye mm-hmm. and also like a, a bro meathead right, right. eye, you know? So, <laughs> it's an interesting melt. Yeah, and so when you combine those things, I think that um, that really helped to just kind of uh, both, it, it showed me just how detail-oriented we can be in training. Yeah, seriously. And then on the flip side, I've always been, you know, gung-ho about just not overthinking and just putting in the work. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's a, that's a good point. It's, it's, it's kind of cool, though, that you, 
again, I think that's what separates you amongst others is that you do have this this foundational background to actually analyze someone's movement and say, hey, this is a this is a fault that we need to correct. Or hey, there's times when you know, hey, I'm trying to put some weight up, and and obviously we want to be able to do that as well. But I love that you've kind of got this meddling of backgrounds uh, yeah. that have kind of come together and and really, man, I bet you you could. There's some PTs who can't hardly analyze movement, and to be able to hang out with great great cook and uh, to to be able to. Uh, uh, learn some of those principles. I think it's clutch. Yeah, man. It, to me, it's just all. It's just taking the human body and looking at it from different angles, different lenses. And hey, let's be honest. We've got we've got the bones and muscles, right? But then we've also got our minds and emotions. Yeah, which is huge. Uh, it, yes. Yes. So an underlooked part, I think, in many, many oh, 100%, 100%. cases. Oh, hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yeah, if you're mentally not not a, you know you got all kinds of crazy stuff going on throughout the day, and then now suddenly you're trying to train. I mean, that can certainly affect your your training uh, for the better or for the worse, depending on what's been going on on for the day, right? Yeah. And then it affects your recovery on the back end of that also. Everything is everything. Yeah. Right. <laughs> everything is everything. So yeah, I mean the the whole theme here is that uh, I really just try to take training and different exercises and exercise modalities and I really just try to act as a as a filter you know yeah. I just I try to take as many perspectives as I can and like the Bruce Lee quote I I hold on to the things that intrinsically make sense and that seem to work for myself and my clients and a lot of the stuff that goes over my head I <laughs> save for another day yeah or or I throw in the trash. Yeah, so absolutely. That's that's the idea. I think it's cool too that you like again. You're not trying to fit everyone into a, into a box, right? Like, not trying to. You know, I think some people get boxed in with, "Hey, this is how I train, and this is what we do." And I think it's important that you're saying, "Hey, I'm trying to look at someone's movement. I'm trying to again." not fit them to do exactly what I want them to do, but meet them where they are, right? I think that's a pretty cool uh, mindset, a pretty cool approach. Yeah, man. So training's all about it. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So so why did why did you even get interested in kettlebells? You know what I mean? I know that you get, you've, you've ended up getting this cert, and now you do a lot of good teaching workshops and stuff on this stuff. Yeah. Why, why kettlebells? Well, you know, kettlebells, again, going along with this theme of just looking at the human body through through different lenses, looking at training through different you know perspectives, the kettlebell is just so. It's you know the the the, the name of the book. It's simple and it's sinister, <laughs> right? You can you can just do a super duper deep dive into every fundamental human movement with the kettlebell. And, and without the kettlebell. It's not that it's the end-all be-all, yep. but as as a singular tool that you know can just be used in so many different ways with so many different people, it's really hard to beat. So when I was in those formative years, I could just kind of see all these different applications of the kettlebell. And um, yeah, again, to be, to be <laughs> honest and to kind of just show you, I think, like the power of a certain type of marketing and messaging and branding, I saw this tool and this approach as almost like the um, the, the nuclear goo that would that would turn <laughs> me into a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a little bit of the secret sauce. Yeah. But again, so it's, it's how you use it. Yeah. So um, I, I will be the first to admit, 
kettlebells aren't for everybody in every circumstance. Sure. But the things that I learned as a coach and as a trainer from from going through the hard style kettlebell methodology, I I can use across the board. Mm -hmm. So it, it really just kind of opened my eyes to so many things um, that I've kind of been tweaking from there. But um, but yeah, I mean, when you take like the big three, strength, mobility, and endurance, I, I saw a path to each of those things through using a kettlebell. Yeah, that's awesome. So let's, let's kind of break some of those out a little bit. I think strength one's probably obvious, right? I'd love for you to just kind of maybe break out each of those those pieces that you just said. Hey, some strength, some mobility. Yeah. Uh, what was the last one you said? Uh, endurance. Endurance. Yeah, I love yeah. it, man. So how how do you use a kettlebell for for each of those things? Great question. Uh, and apart from it depends. Yeah. <laughs> I love. I'm glad that you said, yeah. you said that. Yeah. Let's let's just just to kind of throw out some examples. I really love the kettlebell for um, for specifically upper body strength yeah you know uh, the the kettlebell press is a very unique type of press it works the shoulders and the rotator cuffs in a very unique way um, the bottoms up kettlebell press oh it's money is money I use it every day it's money I, I would say outside of the swing the bottoms up kettlebell world is like kind of the, the best application 1000% of, of the tool. Yeah, I literally use it every single day. I, I, if I've got a shoulder patient, you can almost bet that they're doing bottoms up presses and, and, and holds, you yeah. know what I mean, bottoms up style. It's it's just yeah. great. And certainly you being a PT, you, just, you know how squirrely the shoulders are. Yeah. So, uh, and you also know how important it is to really work them. Yes, absolutely. So the kettlebell offers us a lot of unique ways to train the upper body because of the ergonomics of the bell, whether you're holding it bottoms up or whether it's on the outside of that forearm. Yeah, yeah. which puts it, it puts a slightly different angle on it, you know what I mean? Especially if you're getting overhead, right? Think about Z presses or something like that, right? That kettlebell being behind you really forces that T-spine to have to be opened up and yes. really force that shoulder to work. Or man, the bottoms up variation. I mean, the shoulders. The, the beauty of the shoulder is that it's such a mobile joint. I mean, you can do crazy things with it. Get wallets out of your back pocket, uh, pull shirts off, do or from a performance standpoint, snatches or overhead press, uh, muscle ups, whatever. The problem with that, you got to have quite a bit of strength involved in that as well, which is what I love and stability. Right, being able to control all that motion, which is where I think the kettlebell and the bottoms up variations are just money. Yeah. Cool. So talk about mobility a little bit. What do you, you know, how do we use uh, mobility? With yeah. Kettlebell? Well, of course, mobility is, it, it goes hand in hand with strength. Now, right? so you, you know, again, without going too far down the rabbit hole of flexibility versus mobility. Yeah. The way that I like to look at it is mobility is your strength applied Killed it. in, well, as, as far of, a, of an angle as yeah. you can manage. You know that that could be a measure of mobility, so yeah. to speak. Um, and more is not always better. Spot on again. <laughs> more more is not always better. It, it's important to be functionally strong and functionally mobile um, as appropriate. And of mm -hmm. course, that's a big it depends conversation. Sure it is. But um, but yeah, I mean, again, if we're just harping on the uh, upper body or the, or the shoulders, the the Turkish getup is mm -hmm. an amazing mobility slash strength exercise 
because really what you're doing is, is you're, when you're moving through the Turkish getup sequence, you're moving from this closed horizontal press, and then as you go through the entire movement, you end up in a vertical press. Yeah. And if you're doing arm bars along the way, if you're doing you know bent press or crooked arm bars along the way, you're essentially working this entire range of motion. Yeah. But with the entire shoulder arc. The entire shoulder arc, but you're not even moving the arm. You're moving the rest of your body underneath your arm. Yeah, which is which is an important principle in PT. Uh, you know, to go to get into a bit of a deep dive on that, it's like, man, not only do we have to be able to move the shoulder on the body, but being able to control a shoulder as your body is moving as well. I mean, it's foundational. So much stuff that we do, and, and to protect and bulletproof a shoulder long term. So, man, you're hitting the nail on the head. I love it. Yeah, and, and just a very quick point on mobility of the hips let's say yeah the goblet squat money the goblet squat is money uh, really if you have a a deep functional strong squat what else do you really need for hip mobility i yeah. mean you can do a lot of fun stuff and i do yeah um but when you're talking about what's going to help you get to 90 100 years old it's, it's getting up and off the toilet. Yeah, it's seriously. getting up and off the bed right. or the couch, up and off car. the yeah. floor or the couch or, or the car. And what does that all come down to? 90 degrees or ideally a little bit deeper of, you know, hip flexion and yeah. being able to stand up. Yeah. And the goblet squat is just one of the easiest ways to get into that position with load. And as we know, load is instructional and load is not only important for strength, but it's also important for, for mobility. Yeah, I'm gonna have to give you an honorary PT degree, I think, because I mean, this is like all the uh, the principles that uh, I, I coach on and talk about with my patients just about every single day. I, I love what you said, like, you know, we don't have to overcomplicate mobility. Everyone wants to get fancy and, you know, we wanna hit 90-90 drills, and we wanna hit, you know, functional range conditioning type stuff, and and get wild and crazy with it. And, and while I, yes, there's merit in those things. Yes, they can be used. Yes, they're good. Uh, you know, and, and I'm even guilty of this sometimes too, right? Banded hip distractions and all this other stuff. We want some perfect drill. Dude, I'm telling you, man, like simple tempo goblet squats are just an incredible way to load into someone's squat mobility, teaching them to squat deeper, uh, I mean, I even use like prime squat variations, right? Mm -hmm. So goblet squat, get down, hang out at the bottom, pry the hips open, pry the ankles open. I mean, it's crazy. If you want to squat deeper and you want to squat uh, and have less pain, like, dude, spend some time in the bottom of a squat. And a kettlebell offers a unique way uh, of doing it. Do you ever do any like offset, right? Like kind of goblet squat pressing holes and things like that? Oh, absolutely, man. Yeah. I mean, Talk about that a little bit. Well, I tell you, you know, again, it's... It's hammering on the fundamentals, it's keeping it basic. But listen, listen, when you've been working with a kettlebell every day with yourself and your clients for years on end, you just start coming up with yeah, any variation funky yeah. variations. So the squat is obviously something where there's a lot of room for interpretation. Sure. So a few of the things that I really like to do, like with the squat, are you know, you mentioned the prying. Yep. So pushing the knees out, also doing a little um, a little isometrics at the bottom. Yeah. So shoving the knee with that uh, elbow and actively driving the knee in. Love it. Against 
and then actively drive the knee out. Nailed it. So again, working on the... Contract relax type stuff. You know, contract relax, innies and outies at the mm -hmm. bottom. Um, you know, I call these uh, heartbeat Yeah, squats. that's cool. Yeah, I love it. You know, bringing the weight out. It's a cute name. Maybe I need to start calling them that. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and hey, you know what? You've you've got a uh, a, a growing uh, baby at home. I do, I do. You you, you pick <laughs> up you pick up your baby. It's a good kettlebell. He's gonna need a little more head control. Give him a couple more weeks, and then he's totally in for that. <laughs> I tell you, yeah, you, you you do the little heartbeat squat, and what happens is once your child is old enough to run into your arms, boom. That is how you are going to exactly catch him and stand up. Nailed it. Yeah. And you gotta be able to squat down deep to get up and down off the freaking couch. Squat down deep, stuff. grab a hold, and and stand up. Nailed it. Yeah. So you know that's that's one thing. I also like to do, um, you know, driving into one side, and then certainly this is without a kettlebell, but you know, doing twists, yeah, incorporating yep. some of the upper body stuff. You know, one thing that I think we often forget is just because a weight is in your hand and gravity is pulling it vertical. Uh, doesn't mean that you can't apply some horizontal. Oh, that's a great point. Uh, isometric. So I that's really like idea. to tell people to squeeze the bell in. It's a good idea. Did something I didn't even think about? Yeah. Get you an isometric of the of the, the pecs and the, uh, the biceps, deltoids, all those things. And then vice versa. Try to pull it apart. That'd be a crazy rip. Man, I'm gonna start adding that in for some rotator cuff stuff. I like it. That's a good idea. Yeah. And then doing some curls at the bottom. Yep. That's a classic one. Um, yeah, man. So you can just do all kinds of things. I think the last yeah. principle we didn't talk about was was endurance. Endurance. So, uh, full, full swing here. Yeah. Um, strength, mobility, and then lastly, endurance. Well, listen. What does everybody think that they need to do for cardio? What kettlebell swings for days? Well, or, oh, you're talking about even, even yeah. before that? Yeah, yeah. You just about walking for for long distance, running for long distance. Walking, running, jogging. You know, if you're maybe in certain training environments. <clears throat> Stairmaster. Stairmaster. Makes me sick just thinking about or it. Or treadmill. So boring. Or for that matter, crazy high intensity stuff like box jumps yeah. or you know, who knows about that kind of kind of fun stuff. And again, not knocking on any of it, but really, um, when you take a look at the kettlebell swing, you've got a good deep hip hinge, you've yep. got an explosive hip extension, um, and when you do it right. You're you're not you're not doing anything injurious to the joints. There's no plyometrics involved. There's no high impact uh, involved at all. So you're doing a lot of work, and you know as we see through like force plate yeah. uh, analysis, you're putting a lot of force through the ground. Absolutely. And it's truly a, a total body movement. Specifically talking about the swing. So if you knock out 50, 100 swings, doesn't have to be an insane amount. But if you do them right, you're essentially doing the box jump or the broad jump movements. That's a good point. Without going anywhere. Yeah, that's a good point. Without, without landing on yeah. anything. Joint, joints taking like no beating at that point. And it's a great. I mean, like you say, it's it's the exact same thing. I mean, it's the the, the precursor to the swing, right? When the, the bell is kind of behind you, is the exact same position you better find yourself in before you jump up on the box. It's a hip hinge. And, and then that explosion through in order to, to power through uh, up on the box or broad jump, whatever it is that you're doing. What's one of the biggest faults you see in somebody who, who's doing a kettlebell swing? Yeah, well, you know, oftentimes people will treat a kettlebell like it's a 
dumbbell yeah. or, or some other free weight. And what I mean by that is, is they're trying to like muscle the whole ah. range of motion. Specifically for a swing, we want almost like a, um, it's like a slingshot effect. It's mm -hmm. like a bow and arrow effect. You're not, you're not moving the weight with your arms. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing. That's this. a good point. Is people think, okay, I've got to throw this bell up or I've got yeah. to raise it. That's, that's not it. Yeah, use your powerhouse. Use your hips. Yeah. The hips move the weight and the arms are just along for the ride. Right. That's one of the biggest things. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, you know, I see this especially in CrossFit athletes, just because I see a lot of them, especially because they're doing the American kettlebell swing, right? Getting it up overhead. Even then, it still should be powered up pretty well by your legs. I mean, you're going to get yes. a little bit more shoulder than you would yes. in a Russian kettlebell swing, where obviously you're not going overhead. But my gosh, use your hips. I think another thing I see too, and you may see this, is like trying to squat the, the kettlebell swing, right? Inevitably, you know, quads and, and things are trying to take over it, and, and then that's where the arms, I think, come in as well, right? They're squatting, and then they're using their arms to raise that bell, right. as opposed right. to that explosive hip hinge. Yeah, it, it's tricky because it's, you almost don't see, I mean, maybe with the exception of something like a med ball toss, yeah. like, behind your head, you don't really see many exercises where where like the arms are not really involved at all well you start getting into Olympic lifting which yeah. is which is beyond the scope of my expertise <laughs> um, but yeah learning the difference between moving away with a squat I think a lot of people think that they're trying to like thruster yeah they think it's a yeah. squat and press yeah but it's not it's literally a hip hinge and and the bell is just there as almost a um, it, the bell is really secondary. Yeah, it almost is. Yeah, it's really secondary. It's almost like that little thing that everyone had on their desk back in the '90s, right? Where you just drop the ball and then it just pin, pendulums back and forth. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I think that's exactly what the bell should be doing, as right. opposed to you know actively trying to lift it up. I don't know why that came to my mind, but it did. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, you know, really, I I like to do a little drill called the chop and pop. Yeah, tell me about that. Where, where you, where you literally fun. just, you know, no weight, obviously. You literally just, when you're standing, you do like a skier motion. Yeah. Where you just slap the side of your That's hips. That's a great idea. And you go into that backswing position. Yep. Sometimes what I call shortstop position. Yeah. Or like skier yep. you know, position. And then you bring those hands forward. You slap the sides of your hips again. That's a good idea. And you stand up. And it yeah. patterns. It helps you bring those things together where you're you're either standing or you're hinging. Mm -hmm. There's nothing there's nothing else to think about. Yeah, that's a great that's a great drill. I, I like that a lot because I know yeah. I, I see a lot of folks trying to squat as opposed to hinge, and I think that's a fantastic drill to really nip that in the bud. Yeah, it's just we like call a, it the chopping the chopping what the chopping pop chopping pop. Yeah. I love it. Chop and you <laughs> pop. I'll have to I'll have to forward you a, a video. But, um, we'll have to post that video in the comments. <laughs> yes, but it's the same idea as a slingshot. Yeah, that's great. It's horizontal. It's horizontal displacement. It's not vertical. That's great. I love it. Good, good cues. What other big faults do you see in kettlebell movements? Be it, you know, you can pick one. It doesn't necessarily matter. But uh, you know, what's a kind of a general other fault or issue that you see with folks? Uh, I in think. Yeah, I, I really think it comes down to the intention of the movement. I think a lot of times people are 
parroting what they see mm. and say, oh, monkey see, monkey do. The tra- my, my personal trainer is doing this shape. Let me mimic this yeah. shape. Um, that's not it. That, that, that might take you to a certain point, but you know, ultimately I think this is both, and this is very much a challenge for the coach, is conveying to a person what should be going on internally. Yeah. And and what you should be feeling and you know, that it goes with everything. It goes into like muscle groups. You know, sometimes as as you know, functional strength coaches, we like to dog on the whole bodybuilding feeling a certain muscle yeah, yeah. idea. <laughs> but there's a lot of merit to that. Yeah, sure because, there is. I agree with that. You know, if you're if you're swinging a kettlebell you don't necessarily have to, but you should be able to um, internally activate and squeeze and use your hamstrings and your glutes to the point where after three to five swings, your rear end should be burning. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And if you can do that on command, that's great. You know, you don't have to push that hard all the time. But if you don't know how to, quote unquote, overemphasize the glutes or mm-hmm. the hamstrings, that's an issue because sure otherwise does. you're just parroting the movement. So I think whether that's something fast and ballistic like a kettlebell swing or a snatch, or whether that's something slower like a press or a squat, you need to have an intention with every rep. Yeah. Where is your you know, where is your intention going? What is squeezing? What is relaxed? What is working? Your breath. You know, there's so much that goes that goes into it. But I think I think that's the main thing. And of course, yeah, that's, that's a, good a idea. that's a that's a big concept. Sure. But you must have an intention with every repetition. Yeah. And when you come into it with that mindset, suddenly the shape of the exercise is just a doorway to different options that right. are open to your choosing. Yeah, no, that's good. And, you know, I see that in the rehab world is also, you know, if I'm, if someone's got low back pain with deadlifts, right, I may even kettlebell deadlift, whatever, you know, it may be one of those things where, hey, like we want to focus on, on being hyper aware of our glutes for a temporary time to, you know, again, get some upregulation of that and, and less on, on the back or whatever it might be. And I think that's a, a great point uh, yeah. that, that you said there. So, uh, Zach, I, I know that you are trying to uh, do some some bar, you know, some uh, kettlebell club stuff. So tell me, tell me about this uh, new new project you got going on. Yes. Well, of course, like everybody, I had I had high hopes for twenty twenty. Twenty twenty one. Here we come. That hasn't exactly shaped up the way that we were anticipating back in January, but um, but yeah. So all that to say, um, I think training with kettlebells and body weight in a small group environment outside uh, is, is just, is just a, a really cool thing, you know? And I haven't, uh, I guess I should say, one of my passions is working with small groups. You know, mm-hmm. there's a certain energy of a small group that's just, uh, that's just amazing. And when you're, when you're doing minimalist style workouts, you know, it's fun and in today's day and age, um, where you might not want to be in a confined space sure. with 15 other people. Right. Um, there's a, suddenly now working out outside with a kettlebell has a certain 
yeah. appeal to it. Sure does. Um, so all that to say, I had plans to start the East Nashville Kettlebell Club. You cool. know, this past spring, this past summer. Obviously, COVID put that on the back burner for a while. Um, but uh, but as the weather cools down and as we're all learning how to uh, carry on in a safe and responsible manner, yep. um, here in the fall, uh, I am getting together a small group um, that ideally will be working out in the parks around Nashville uh, with just a couple of kettlebells. So. That remains to be seen exactly what that schedule and what that will will look like. Um, but that is a, a pet project of mine that I've That's been fun. putting off for a long time that uh, I hope to get some kettlebell nerds together and start building up the, the kettlebell scene a little bit. I love it. That's cool, man. That's yeah. great. Uh, I also, you know, much like myself, I've got a passion for teaching, and I know you do as well. I know you're trying to get out and about to, to places and, and do some teaching opportunities as well. So tell us about what that might look like. Um, you know, from a workshop slash seminar standpoint, uh, let's let's talk about those a little bit as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, again, some of the biggest breakthroughs that I've had as a coach um, has come from the the workshop experience. Mm-hmm. Getting into a room with people that you may or may not know, learning from instructors that you may or may not have um, learned from before. Um, there's just something magical about having people congregate uh, again in a socially distant, responsible manner, <laughs> um, who are all there to learn and sure. who are all there to to come away with with something special and usable. So I really love to facilitate small group, you know, workshops and seminars. Cool. Um, I've done. Uh, probably six or eight in the past couple years and I'm looking forward to doing more yeah but it's really all just about reverse engineering what the target audience needs and wants yeah so for example the last one that I did was uh, basically a continuing what I looked at as a continuing education seminar for CrossFit staff cool and all we did was is we broke down the major human patterns, push, pull, hinge, squat, carry. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of uh, offered some different ideas and some different perspectives that could be applied to each of those patterns. Um, and That's cool. really just really just give people both the high level concept stuff and then also practical tools yeah. practical tips that's cool i love it yeah that's yeah. what we always try to do with workshops as well i think that's cool that you're getting out and about in the community a little bit and so obviously uh if your gym uh, is interested in hosting one of uh, zach's workshops reach out to us or, or him I'll as well. your boy. Yeah, yeah exactly yeah. exactly uh zach i know you got a unique perspective uh with some power lifting stuff as well so it's going to shift gears uh just a hand so uh, tell me a little bit about how you got interested in powerlifting and some of its principles. Yeah, man. So powerlifting was kind of a natural uh, outgrowth of the kettlebell stuff. Sure. You know, uh, again, um, a lot of people who, like a lot of my colleagues and a lot of the kettlebell um, enthusiasts, were also big fans of barbell training and then, of course, of, of powerlifting. And the hard style kettlebell uh, technique, you know, borrows a lot from the powerlifting uh, side of, of training. So it was always, as I was getting into kettlebells, 
the powerlifting conversation was always there. Mm -hmm. So I didn't even really touch a barbell until uh, probably until I had been working with kettlebells for two or three years. Oh wow! Wow! Yeah, and you really uh, you you were really deep deep dive on the uh, the kettlebells. Yeah. Well, and then I was um, I was working at a big box gym where I for the first time had access to barbells. Ah, okay, that makes sense, that makes sense. Yeah, so I just started squatting, benching, and deadlifting, and you know, around that time in my early training days, I was just looking for an outlet to you know, yeah. train towards. Right. And uh, powerlifting was, uh, was a natural fit. So sure. once I got into it, a lot of my clients got into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, sure. And so then one thing led to another, and uh, this whole this whole ecosystem of kettlebell training and barbell training uh, really came together, and and that's been a big way that I've kind of um, uh, I, I guess I should say the interplay between the dynamics of the kettlebell stuff and the powerlifting has really been my my peanut butter and jelly. Yeah you know, approach to training for a long time. I love it, man. That's yeah. great. That's great. So let's talk about uh, either the squat or the deadlift here. What's a big fault that you commonly see uh, with, with either of those movements? Yeah, you know, it would probably come down to what we were talking about before with one's intention yep. for what you're doing. So, for example, when a lot of people do a back squat, it, it, they're really just getting under a bar and bending their knees. It's true. Yeah, just... just <laughs> Get under it and move it. They're, they're not actually squatting. And if you don't know what I mean, then you've probably never <laughs> back squatted two times body weight right. to full depth. Yep. There's a difference, again, between going for the shape mm -hmm. and having the intention of squatting mm -hmm. this weight. So to point to a specific fault, it would probably just be general looseness. Mm -hmm. of the body. Yeah, not create enough tension in order to move a, a heavy barbell. Tension, bracing, yeah, breathing, bracing. sequencing of, you know, how you're actually using your, your muscles and your joints. Um, I, I just, I don't think that most people go into their training with that mentality of every time you lay hands on the bar, you need to have the checklist of what do I need to be feeling? What is, what is my bracing setup look like? Um, and yeah, when you're when you're doing back squats, especially, and and deadlifts from the floor, if you don't have that intention and you're just trying to mimic the shape, yeah, of course you're gonna blow blow something out. Of right? It. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You don't have that tension created in order to, to maintain the stability that you need for that entire movement. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. How does someone go about creating stability, especially from a, a kind of a, a diaphragmatic breathing type? Any, any quick cues that you have uh, or you like to use for folks in order to, to brace appropriately uh, yeah. under, under a load? Well, you know, to, to encapsulate that whole idea, when you're squatting and deadlifting, I look at it as you're not squatting a weight, you're not picking up a weight off the ground, you are absorbing the weight into your own skeleton mm -hmm. and you are squatting a heavier version of yourself. Yeah, true. You are, you are hip hinging a heavier version of yourself. Really, you need to be, if you're lifting heavy weights, 
you need to be um, engaged so much that where you barely feel the weight. Yeah, sure. All you're feeling is your muscles, yeah, up. your own your own body. Sure. You know, that's kind of the secret. So yeah, I mean, in terms of like a, a bracing idea, of course, whew, there's so many places to, to go to. But I like to do the karate chop test. Okay. So you just I love your test. You just you just take the the blade of your hand, sit up nice and tall, brace your abs, and hold a conversation with a friend while wow. you are karate chopping yourself good. right in the abs. Yeah. And if you loosen up, you're gonna bruise a kidney. Yeah. <laughs> but you should be able to hold a certain amount of tension with the abdominals to where you're braced. This should feel really good on your back too. Right, absolutely. Um, but but you're not holding your breath. You're able to breathe normally while keeping your abdominals. Yeah, rigid. I think most people don't. They don't know how to do that, right? They brace so hard that suddenly they're holding their breath and then they're about to pass out when they get back up with that barbell, and then they wonder why. Uh, <laughs> they wonder why that they're having that problem. Like you say, they can't carry a conversation. You know, if you can't control something, if you can't talk and breathe during it, you, you don't own it, right? You don't own it. And, and right. so I love, uh, I, I love that exact point there. That's great. Zach, you put a ton of great content out on Instagram and things like that, man. How do we get in contact with you? If you're not following Zach, you definitely got to make sure that you follow him. So what, uh, what's the best way for us to uh, you know, get in contact with you and uh, learn more about uh, all the good things that you do? Well, I appreciate that, man. Well, first of all, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, absolutely, this is, dude. This is super cool. Um, and I think what you're doing is great. I appreciate that. Both, both on your side as a, as a PT and what you're doing here with the podcast and for the Nashville scene. I, I think it's great. I appreciate that, brother. Um, yeah, so you keep it up. Uh, Instagram is probably the best cool. way to find me. Uh, it's, you can find me. It's just my name, Zach Henderson, Z-A-C-K, Henderson, underscore. Um, that's me on Instagram. And, yeah, uh, I also... Uh, have an email newsletter you can sign up for that via my uh, uh, bio link in my Instagram cool. and, uh, if anybody even uses web browsers anymore <laughs> what are those uh, yeah uh, you can also find me at ZachHenderson.com cool I yeah. love it man that's great keep putting out the great content and uh, thanks for your time brother dig it dude appreciate you Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Nashville Fitness Podcast. Don't forget, educate yourself, surround yourself with positivity, and take care of your body. It's the only one you get. Education is the key to a stronger and healthier you, one person and one community at a time. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, we would love for you to give us a five-star rating and leave us comments. If you want to find out more about us and how to maximize your health and performance, check out our clinic on Instagram at Momentum underscore Sports PT or at MomentumSportsPT.com.